Welcome to the Footwear Insight Extra podcast from Formula 4 Media in Great Neck, New York. Formula 4 Media publishes vertical trade magazines, Outdoor Insight, Team Insight, Textile Insight, and Footwear Insight with related digital publications, Team Insight Extra twice monthly, Textile Insight Extra once a month, and Footwear Insight Extra on Wednesdays. Now it's time for the latest podcast. I am speaking with Mr. Steve Hamill, a 30-year footwear industry veteran and veteran of the U.S. Navy, who has founded a sustainable footwear brand called Third Mind. The Los Angeles-based company was conceived by a group of global experts in the footwear industry, including Hamill, who has worked for Native Shoe, Merrill, and Keene during his long career. Part of Third Mind's mission is community before commodity. Hamill's work tied to the objective has included pioneering a closed water filtration system within Third Mind's China manufacturing facilities that has enabled the installation of air conditioning for employees and dedicating product and warehouse space for donation to communities in need and striking a partnership with Los Angeles-based nonprofit Shoes That Fit. Mr. Hamble joins me on the Fort Worth Insight podcast today from Los Angeles County. Good afternoon, Steve. Good afternoon, Bob. Glad to have you with me today. And uh, first, maybe you could provide our listeners with some background on when and why you decided why you decided to start Third Mind and what you hope to accomplish with the company in its early years. That is, uh, wow, well, I hope you have enough time on this one, but I've always kind of dreamed of, of starting my own brand. And when I finally got to the point where I thought I could do it right, that's when I decided to get into it. It was, it was it, it's, it's been an interesting journey to say the least, because you know when you wanna start your own brand, first, first thing you gotta do is you gotta come up with a name. And uh, I was always very, very intrigued by the relationship of engineering and creativity in the footwear industry. Uh, without engineers and with, without creative types, you cannot figure out how to make shoes. And it's the coming together of those two opposite spectrums that re- really has, I guess, intrigued me about the footwear industry. And, and it's an art to bring those two minds together. And as I was researching different names to come up with for the brand, it was it, I, I stumbled upon a quote from Napoleon Hill, who was one of America's first self-help authors. And that quote said, no two minds ever come together without thereby creating a third invisible intangible force, which may be likened to a third mind. And lo and behold, I was able to register the name not only in the United States, but in many other countries. And what I love about the name is it talks, it speaks to bringing two opposite spectrums together to create a third entity. And I think that's what the footwear industry is all about. Before I talk to you and ask some questions about the whole sustainability issue and sustainability topics, just maybe you could touch upon you know, the team that you've assembled. I guess you have other four industry execs working with you. And that also with one other sub, sub question, and that is, I don't know how, when you exactly created Third Mind, but given the pandemic that's ongoing and the fact that more casual wear and less in office is going on, does that in any way impact your strategy for your brand? Well, I think the pandemic affects us all. I, I, I think consumers have, have definitely changed their buying habits. People are definitely, I mean, they feel no need to get dressed up at home, but uh, I'm not looking at trying to figure out how to put together product that will serve well during the pandemic. But I'm sure we're going to get out of this thing eventually. I think it's going to be within a year for sure. 
And I think people are going to really relish in getting back out and, and dressing up and, and doing things that they have not been able to do for some time. The other side of it is, is, is that uh, our shoes are perfectly, I mean, they, they feel like athletic shoes on the foot. So it, it, they, and they perform like athletic shoes. So I would encourage anybody to go out and get a pair and, and just wear them around the house if they want. About, do you have other people that, on your team that are from the industry working with you? Uh, yes, absolutely. Well, not so much from the industry. I, I think one of, the, one of the interesting things that we've been able to accomplish, I have Mark Beard, who's in charge of, he's, he's our marketing and brand director. And he really participated a great deal in the brand building of our product. Uh, Kira Stewart is, does all of our copy. And they don't have any footwear experience per se. Mark had a little bit, but I think the refreshing thing was, was getting people outside from outside the industry to look at things with a little different lens. And I learned a lot in that process. Uh, next, I want to turn some of my questions to uh, the sustainability and the uh, materials that you're using for your brand. You know, I had a question from my uh, colleague, my textile insight colleague, Emily Walzer, and she wanted to know why you decided to go with Clarino, and I think the second one is Siesin and Nature Text. And you, did you work with those brands before, and what makes these suppliers stand out in the field of sustainable products? Well, Clarino is, is I've used that in the past, and from a performance standpoint, I can find nothing that can come close to the performance of Clarino. When I was at Keen, uh, we used a lot of Clarino, and, and Keen still does. And that's when I really learned about how they stood out from a performance point of view. But the other thing that really clinched my specking in the Clarino product is there, there, there were a few things that really stood out. Number one is it's a, it's, it's a solvent-free manufacturing process used to make the Clarino Terranina. And they recycle, I believe it's 70% of water and they've reduced their carbon footprint by 35%. These are things that are very, very appealing to us. But not only that, but by using Clarino, we were able to put together a minimalist constructed footwear in which we only use basically six components in the in the whole upper and i don't know any other product that that we would be able to do that other than clarino another thing is is you touched on nature text um, which is embedded with lava by siescent and nature text is also a, it's a product that's 100% recycled and by embedding it with lava which is which is fantastic from an odor absorbing point of view, the wonderful thing that we were able to accomplish is not so much using the lava, but as much as it is, is not using any antimicrobial agents. If you go out and you take a look at the, the, the bottles and, and whatnot of antimicrobial agents, I mean, it's basically toxic. And, and I really set out on a goal for, for making our product toxic, as toxic-free as possible. And by doing that, I think we protect the workers involved as well. 
And actually, one question about follow up about Clarino. I recall my long industry uh, career as well, covering shoes. That Nike, I think, first used Clarino in their golf shoe line back in the early '90s. So it's a man-made leather that's been around for some time, correct? Uh, yes, it is. Yes, indeed. And they serviced the automotive industry as well, which is very interesting. Well, despite advances in sustainable textiles, a belief remains that eco-friendly materials are not up to par when it comes to performance, particularly in the area of durability. Do you think that's valid? And is there a trade-off with functionality by going green? And, you know, based on the experience I've had with this particular product, there is no trade-off at all. I think it, it comes down to more of a point of whether or not you're willing to spec in high-quality components and materials. And if you are, then if you can afford to do so, and it works out from a pricing point of view, I, I see no conflict between performance and sustainability at all. Uh, Clarino is a great example. Uh, Clarino outperforms just about anything out in the market, and yet they are sustainable, which is wonderful. The downside for many companies is as soon as they look at the pricing of Clarino, they say, oh, we can't afford to use that. That's where uh, I think we can benefit by having the direct-to-consumer approach where we eliminate the wholesale layer or the brick-and-mortar layer, whichever way you look at it. Okay, that was another of my question. So you're going to go only direct-to-consumer with your brand, is that correct? Uh, Yes, that is correct. Uh, Before I jump to the question about the distribution and the price point, price is often seen as cited as a drawback of green textiles and recycled materials. Do you think that consumer sentiment still rings true in 2020? I think we, we all, as an industry, we all have to do a better job. And that's what I'm working very, very hard at. And, and I think by introducing this line of footwear at $125, I don't think there's going to be much resistance there. And I think that not only by wearing our product will it make consumers feel good, but it'll make them feel good learning about who we are and what we represent and how responsible we are and all of what we do. And also speaking to the sustainability issue in Third Mind, you don't, you don't seem to be promoting your brand, at least from what I read in your release, as vegan. Is there a reason why? Uh, yeah, that's a very, very interesting question. We came very close, actually, to doing that. But in my investigations... I, I, I've always believed in, you know, when we say that we want to be responsible, that is a responsibility that we hold that must be beyond reproach. That's the way I look at it. And when I did the drill down on some of our materials, I could not walk away convinced and nobody could issue state, uh, hardcore statements to me that they did not use any animal byproducts or oils in the manufacture of their product. There are no, it's interesting because there are no animal products in our shoes at all. I'm going by a very strict definition of vegan in which if you cannot 100% prove that no animal oils or substances were used in the manufacturing product, I don't think you should be able to call it vegan. Is that something perhaps as you do further investigation down the road seasons in advance, you might shift to that perhaps if you do more research and find that's the case or it's out of the question? Yeah, there's there's more research that needs to be done. We're, we're actually pretty close 
and again, uh, the main thing that I got to do that I have to do is 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 make sure that any judgment that I have here is beyond reproach, and I can prove it. Yeah, that, in, in 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 the spirit of transparency, right? You know, it's 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 like going out and figuring out all the uh, when when we say all the uppers that we use are a hundred percent from recycled product or the, and the laces and the web tape and the, and the sock fabric, all these are a hundred percent recycled product. And I've actually visited the factories and I have the government issued registration numbers showing that they are in, they only make the recycled threads and things like that. Oh, so you've done all your homework on that. You're ready to go. That's great. Yes. So you mentioned the, is there, so you mentioned the retail price point, $125. Is that for all? How, how many styles initially? Is, are they all going to be $125 and it, it's only men only? Uh, it is men only to start. Um, okay. We're not going to limit ourselves. We have uh, the initial offering is three lace-up styles. And I, I've got two slip-on styles in the pipeline and that's where we're starting out and we've got a lot of fun things on the board and we're going to be filling that pipeline regularly as we go through this and, and here we are in mid-august are you now selling direct on, on a website at this point or on any of the platforms online at this point uh yes yes we are thirdmon.com I'm really proud of the job that our team did on the website. Uh, they did a fantastic job, and and uh, we are selling right now. Oh, you are okay, great. And and, and I, I I've pressed this issue before, but just one, again, you don't you know, one twenty five price point does not sound extraordinarily high for a sustainable product. You don't expect any pushback from that, I assume. Um, no, it's interesting. We hired a firm to do some focus group studies and we gave them three different price points of 95 125 and 165 and we found that there was definitely pushback at the 165 dollar price point but there the acceptance rate for 95 and 125 was almost identical and that's why we we ended up going with 125 does gender play a role in having a men's line of sustainable footwear? You know, are men more likely to be climate conscious and, uh, and are men more uh, uh, generally more willing to pay more for their footwear, including sustainable footwear, do you think? Um, I don't think so. I, I think, I, you know, the, the, for men, I, I think what, what the most important thing that we've done here is to solve a problem for men. Uh, you, you know, every guy that I've ever spoken with when I ask them the question of what is your least favorite pair of shoes to wear? And every one of them always immediately says my dress shoes. And I, in addition to making the shoes sustainable, what I wanted to do was create a product that performed every bit as well as your favorite running shoes. And that is really the appeal to men. I think, I think men tend to go more for function and we actually, when we were reaching out to influencers and, and whatnot, it was actually somewhat more of a challenge to find men that were interested in the sustainability aspect of product versus women. I think women are more up to speed on that than men in general. If it's comfortable and the price point, right, men are okay with whether it's sustainable or not? Yes, I, I think that's the case. Mainly, 
in in the dress shoe market just because every guy that I've ever spoken with they they say the dress I dread wearing dress shoes. That's that's basically what I hear from everybody and these fit and feel just like your favorite running shoes. Well, well, that's inter- that's interesting, Steve. Because I mean, again, go, you've had about the same length in your in the industry as I have, following the industry. It seems to me like hybrids in the dress shoe category for men are the new normal. Is that fair to say? I could mention a brand in Maine or a, men, a, a brand in um, Michigan that both have produced hybrid dress casual, if you will. Do you think that's more the forward going yes. thing rather than pure dress? Oh yes, absolutely. I I I think you know I I think if we can. If, as an industry, if we can solve the problem for men that uh, eliminates the the bad feeling that guys have to about wearing dress shoes in general, I think we'll be able to make dress shoes more popular again. Your product, you, your your brand, using all these particular sustainable product uh, components, are they, is it going to break down faster, or is it going to have the longevity of other shoes that don't use sustainable pro- uh, components? Um, no, I don't see that at all. In fact, I see them holding up just as well. I mean, uh, it's it's the the suppliers that I use supply the industry in general, um, mostly. For instance, the the upper factory that I use is is mostly supplies the athletic industry, for instance. And so there is, they're going to hold up very, very well. You've been involved with Chinese factories or Asian factories for some time. Is that correct? With the matter of what brand you work for, is that correct? Uh, yeah, I was, I was very fortunate as a young man from the University of Massachusetts to have been selected for one of the very first exchange programs with China. I studied in Beijing in 1981, and that was a whole different China then, of course. And it's, it's not only been a great deal of fun being in the footwear industry, but being along for that ride for China's development over the past 40 years has been really, really amazing and enjoyable. And, and uh, so that's how I ended up getting into the footwear business and living in China for many years. And my background is primarily from a manufacturing point of view. The Chinese at this juncture in 2020 have no issue making a shoe that has sustainable components versus one that does not. They don't care as long as they have the specs and the design, I assume. Correct? Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. You'd be surprised at how China is really advancing as far as their own internal attitudes towards sustainability. And, and I think traditionally we look at China as a place that has a complete disregard for um, the environment and sustainability. And, and I've found that there is a whole group of progressive manufacturers out there that are really, really paying attention to sustain, sustainable manufacturing techniques. Um, for instance, recycling water. And, and uh, I think one of the most touching things was, was uh, one of my suppliers, again, it's the, the upper and they also make the lace and the web tape for it. They are not only sustainable from a manufacturing point of view, but they're very socially sustainable. Um, they have policies of hiring disabled people and things like that. And I've, I, that encouraged me a great deal. And, and I even recently hired a, uh, as an intern, um, a paid intern, I hired a, a, a young man with autism to be one of our designers. Well, as we wrap up today, Stephen, I want to just ask you, uh, my colleague Emily had 
a question about two phrases in your press release about your brand. Uh, quote, responsibly engineered and actively uses blue sign. Could you explain both of those comments? Sure. From a responsibly engineered point of view is, is we took a look at every component, every material from the box and hang tags, the box uses uh, renewable sources and every, everything that we've put into the product is definitely um, sustainable. And not only that, but we engineered it to make it make the manufacturing processes as simple as possible and to reduce waste. The number of components in, in our shoes is, is six or seven, and depending on which product it is. And, and, uh, and so we took the minimalist approach, we took a sustainable approach, and we basically made everything very, very simple for the workers to do. As far as blue sign goes, Blue Sign, I think, is a, is, a, is a wonderful organization. They are an auditing agency that goes out and makes sure that whatever products a given manufacturer is making, they are doing as little or no harm to the environment as possible. And lava, which is our odor-absorbing material in the footbed, is Blue Sign approved. Well, thanks, Stephen. I've been speaking with Mr. Stephen Hamill, the founder of a new sustainable footwear brand, Third Mind. Check out their website at wearethirdmind.com. And you've been listening to a podcast from Footwear Insight and Footwear Insight Extra. I am Bob McGee.